Father, we thank you, praise you, love you, appreciate you, and honor you for all that you mean, and thank you for everything that you do. God, I'm praying that you would hide me beneath the cross on this morning, that you would think through my mind, speak through my mouth. Let it be all of you, less of me, and let the people be eternally touched and blessed. In Jesus' name, let everybody say, amen. Now, come on, make a whole bunch of noise this morning. All right, let's, let's do it one more time, and I'll explain why I want you to do it. Let's, and those who are watching online, even at your home, just make some noise. Thank you. All right. Very good, and there's a, there's a specific reason why we're doing that, because normally on this particular day, whether we say anything about it or not, there's just a normal extra something in the sanctuary. Whether you guys know anything about it or not, this particular day usually does something, and, and I'll, I'll explain it by them putting up this very first video. And here's, here's the reason why. So today is, and it'll, it'll just go through its thing and then it'll come up. Today is Pentecost Sunday. And normally when I come in here, it's just an extra oomph in the building because it's Pentecost Sunday. Now today it felt like dead Sunday in the building. Maybe y'all got things going on, but by the time we leave here, y'all going to feel some Pentecost power. You may have came in dead, but you're not going to be able to stay dead because there's Pentecostal power available to us. And so uh, I, I was a little little shocked because normally I don't even have to say it's Pentecost. It's just a something extra. And today just didn't happen to be there. It's okay. Maybe just the folk in the pajamas watching from live stream, maybe they jumping around the house. Maybe it's somewhere. But before you walk out the doors, you're going to feel what I'm talking about. They ain't got nothing to do with me. It's the spirit of God that invades atmospheres. And when God invades atmospheres, there's just something extra on it. And so as I go through this sermon, so today's sermon is titled this, The Power of Pentecost. The Power of Pentecost. So there is power in Pentecost, and we're just going to work through those things, and we're going to talk about them today, but the power of Pentecost. Let's say it one more time for finality, the power of Pentecost. All right, last week we talked about the force of faith, and so uh, there, there was a little something extra in the building last week too, and it, it, some of it came with, with our visitors that came but I need y'all to help me preach like y'all did last week. Don't leave me hanging. I, I, I thought y'all was going to help me out. So don't y'all leave me hanging this morning. I'm going to need your help. I, I, Sister Teresa says she got me. So last week when we talked about the force of faith, we, we gave you all these words about force to help you understand. So we're going to do the same thing for power. And we're going to put this definition of power. Actually, it's not a definition. It is actually uh, synonym words that somewhat couple with power or define power. So listen to these words. Control, authority, influence, dominance, mastery, domination, rule, command, ascendancy, supremacy, dominion, sovereignty, jurisdiction, sway, weight, leverage, hold, grasp. So when we talk about the power of Pentecost, we're talking about the control the authority, the influence, the dominance, the mastery, the domination, the rule, the command, the ascendancy, the supremacy, the dominion, sovereignty, jurisdiction, and all of those things of Pentecostal power. So we're talking about power. A lot of times when we think about power, we just think power, maybe electricity, maybe political power, maybe might. But we're talking about all these things that the Holy Spirit can do in and through our lives. I first want to say in, he does it in us, but he can also do it through us. So many times we need God to control us. We need God to have the ascendancy in us because we don't always have spiritual moments all the time. We need something to work in us and work through us and work for us. And God will do that. But it happened in this day called 
Pentecost. Now, before I uh, move into the points in the scriptures, let me let you know what Pentecost actually means. It just means, really, when you break the word down in its uh, Greek form, it just really means 50th. It's the 50th day after the Passover. Or, for our terms, it's the 50th day after the resurrection. After Jesus raised, he, 50 days later, something happened. And so it just means 50. But in the Old Testament, what they did, they had something called Passover. And then they had a seven-day festival called uh, the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And then they were supposed to come back seven weeks after that, seven weeks and one day, which would make the number 50. They were supposed to come after that. And they were supposed to celebrate something called um, Shavat which we call it Pentecost, or they also called it the Feast of Weeks. And so what it meant, it meant harvest. It meant jubilee. But once it came after Jesus died, it turned into power. So this term or this time, it also not only is it meaning power, but it means jubilee. It means harvest. So basically, I can sum it up this way. Anything you need, the Holy Spirit can provide. The Holy Spirit can make it happen, anything that you need. See, the power that we need, we all need different things with this power. I may need power to forgive. You may need power to buy a new home. You may need power to fix a relationship. Or you may need power to do all those things. You may need power to get over your low self-esteem. But what I need you to understand, what Pentecostal power brings, everything you need, every power you need is available to you in your life. Doesn't come automatically all the time right away. It's not like a buffet where everything gets fixed overnight. But here's the thing. It is like a buffet. You can always keep going back. See, if you need more power, you can always keep going back. You can always keep coming back. And that's what I love about God. Everything in my life wasn't fixed right away. I'm still going back to God about some stuff. But what Pentecostal power lets me know is I can always keep coming back. There's more where that came from. There's a buffet of his power. There's a buffet of his glory. There's a buffet of his love. And one thing I liked about buffets is I got to put however much I wanted to. I didn't have to wait for somebody else to put it on my plate. If I wanted more mashed potatoes, all I got to do is keep on dipping. If you need some more joy, all you got to do is keep on dipping. If you need some more peace, all you got to do is keep on dipping. You can keep coming back as much as you need, as long as you need, because God has power for that. How about you look at your neighbor and say, he got power for that. Do you need joy? He got power for that. Do you need love? He got power for that. Do you need help in your mind? He got power for that. Do you need money in your bank account? He got power for that. Do you need some strength in your life? He got power for that. Do you need a pep in your step? He got power for that. Whatever you need, he's got power for that. All right, so let's let's put this... uh question up and from this question we will preach our points what does Pentecost mean to the believer well I just explained it to you that there's power for whatever it is that you are in need of and so the first thing we're going to do we're going to put up point number one and I almost call this the P's of Pentecost because every point will have P's and even in the verses you'll see P's and so the first one is promised power so what I like about God that keeps us in the fight is that he promises power. Even if he doesn't give it to us right away, he promises us. Now, I've done this with my own kids when it comes to Christmas. If you act right, I will do this for you. There's going to be something for you if you act right. In other words, I leave them a promise based on what they do. But the way God works, his promises are yes and amen. And they're regardless of what you do. Now, you won't be able to access them if you don't do right. But just because you make a mistake doesn't mean he takes away the promise. Here, the thing, once he promises it, he sends it out in motion. And life is not done until you get everything he's promised you. 
Now, the problem is sometimes you want what's promised a Nietzsche. No, I don't want a Nietzsche's blessings. I want my blessings. Every promise in the book is mine. What God has for me is for me. I'm not going to be mad at her for her blessings because that's what God promised her. But there's some stuff promised for, and I don't normally do this, but I'll say it since I'm preaching, for James Andre Mitchell. I don't normally like my dad. I don't normally tell you my full name, but there's some promises for James Andre Mitchell. There's some jam promises with my name on it. There's some blessings with my name on it. There's some blessings with your name on it. And Pentecostal power says that there's more to come. It's a promise. Now, the person who promised is faithful. Now, if a jackleg promises you something, it's hard to believe in a jackleg's promise. Because he don't never come through. But when it, uh, if a deadbeat dad promises you something, it's hard to believe in the deadbeat dad because he don't never come through. But I'm talking about a God who will never leave you nor forsake you. I'm talking about the creator of the universe. I'm talking about the God that spoke light out of darkness. I'm talking about the God that raised his son from the dead. If he promised you something, you can guarantee it's going to come to pass because his promises are both yes and amen. All right, let's let's look at Acts one and three. Have Sister Mitchell help us read. Or let the the microphone's either not on, or it's not on in the back, the blue one. All right, try it again. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during forty days. And speaking about the kingdom of God. All right, this is after Jesus rose from the dead, and they they were all sad for a while, but three days later it changed. They were happy, and then he stayed with them for 40 days. And then he told them things that they needed to do, but what they didn't know, they didn't know how long it would be before the things that he said would come to pass. But since we know, we know that it was actually only 10 more days. Because he stayed with them 40 days and he left them 10 days to believe. This is something I need you to understand. Sometimes when God leaves us, it feels like, oh my God, God left me. It's too hard. He's not leaving you. He's just moving back just for a little while. Compared to what they went through, 10 days was just a little while. He stayed with them 40 days. He just asked them to hold on another 10 days. And I need to tell somebody this. God is just asking you to hold on just a little while. But if you quit in the seventh day, the eighth day, the ninth day, or the tenth day, you're going to miss what God has for you. You got you to gotta stay in this thing long enough to see the power that he's promised you. Let's go to the next verse. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me. I've been telling you that God has a promise for you. So what I want you to do, I want you to stay in Jerusalem. I want you to wait. I don't want you to go nowhere. Now, now uh, I don't have time to go into it in the scripture, but actually later on in the scripture, it tells us that more than 500 people heard this command. But only 120 of them followed and stayed. So that means 380 heard what Jesus said, but couldn't do what he said for 10 days. But we ain't talking about devils. We're talking about folk who believed in him. Folk who believed in him just couldn't hold out. They just couldn't wait. I need you to understand, don't get in a rush. Don't get in a hurry with God. I know I can already hear you saying, well, Pastor, I've been waiting longer than 10 days. But what I'm trying to tell you is keep on waiting. What is going to hurt you? Because if God told you to do something, stay with what he told you to do. Because the reward is going to be worth the wait. The reward will be worth the wait. The wait of waiting will be worth it in the end. In other words, the pressure of waiting will be worth it. All right, let's look at verse uh, 5. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. He, he, he even gave him a clue, not many days from now. Now, when God says not many days, you don't know if he's talking about thousands of years or if he's talking about a couple seconds. So you just got to trust. But he said not many days from now. Next verse. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, 
Now, they didn't really understand, even though Jesus walked with them, they didn't really understand the fullness of what he was trying to do. So they were only thinking of natural things. And you have to understand that the disciples, even though they walked with Jesus, what they really wanted from Jesus was overthrow Rome, put us back on the top. That's all they cared about. Jesus was thinking about bigger things than that. He was thinking about all of us, all of you and I. He was thinking about that. They were thinking about small things. So look how he responded to them. Verse 7. He said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. There are some stuff that you don't need to know. I can't explain everything to you. I just need you to trust me. And there's some stuff that God's not going to tell you. There's some stuff God's not going to say. You're just going to have to trust. But that's part of the process. You, you'll get the power. I promise you, you'll get the power. But you're going to have to trust and wait. And I can't tell you everything. Let, let, let me give you an example. With, with my kids, sometimes you tell them things and they want to know every single detail. Especially when, when, when they're little. We're like, we got to go to the air, airport. We got to leave early so we can get to the airport and then we can fly out. But why we got to leave so early? Well, because of that. I don't have time to tell you because of 9-11 that before they didn't have to do all that. But now I, I don't have time to explain all that. Just pack your bags, baby. I ain't got time to tell you and explain to you. Because if I explained to you, it would confuse you anyhow. So just do what I say. I've used this example before, but I'll use it again. I'm going to try to do it in a, in a, in a tactful way. But let, let's say that there's, there's, there's a, a little uh, girl, a little girl, a little boy, who is bothering mama, and mama is in her monthly cycle. And so mama says, listen, stop bothering me. I need to go. I need to do this. I need to do that. Can you go sit down somewhere? And they keep bothering me. If mama told them and explained to them what was going on in their body, it was scared the living daylights out of that kid. Do you mean you're bleeding? Why are you bleeding? What's going on? Mama can't explain all that because the mind is not ready to receive all that. So sometimes mama has to say, go somewhere and sit down. Because I can't explain it to y'all. And God is the same way with us. There's some stuff that if we had the wisdom, he could explain it, but it would blow our mind if we knew all that God was doing. So sometimes he just wants you to know this. Be still and know that I am God. Trust me. Trust me, baby. Hope, just trust me. I know what I'm doing. That's what he's telling us. All right, so let's look at verse 8. Hold on. The first word says what? So what that does is that controls the first part. Even though I'm telling you to, I can't explain it all to you, let me tell you what I'm adding to it. But what? But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. See, you're not waiting for nothing. You're waiting because I got some power. That I'm going to put on you. And this power is going to turn you into a witness. Here's something that we forget because the way we read the Bible, it all is put together, but it wasn't put together like that. They did that later. So this is what you need to understand. The disciples didn't have to know what was going on. They didn't have to know what was going on. They knew they loved Jesus, but he was dead one minute. He was raised the next. Peter was cutting ears off, cussing. Only two of the disciples got close enough to even see what was going on with Jesus died. All the other ones ran, was scattered. But then later on, by the time we get to Acts, they're healing people. There's miracles. How did this bunch of jokers turn into something else overnight? It was the power of the Holy Ghost. It was the Holy Spirit's power. Here's what you need to understand. You love me as your pastor, but let me let you know something. I ain't worth a dime without the power of the Holy Ghost. But once I get the power of the Holy Ghost, I'm everything I need to be for me and for you because I'm waiting not on me. I'm waiting on the power of the Holy Ghost. See if I can give you another example. I, I, I stole this example from uh, Pastor Creflo Dollar. I like the way he said it because I've never experienced this. But he talked about back in the 60s that, that y'all used to wear afros. And every now and then the afro would get just a little kinky, but you like your natural hair. And so what they did, they had something called afro sheen. 
and you put the afro sheen on the afro and it gave the afro bounce that it didn't have before it, it gave it something that was different it, it, it gave it that poof and that glow that you needed to have it did something to it. It, it it was still the same hair but it had something extra on it I'm like that nappy matted up afro but when the Holy Ghost gets on me I, I got something extra on top of me it's, it's power from on high some of the stuff I do I couldn't have done it but it was the power of the Holy Ghost some of the stuff you did you couldn't have done it but it was the power of the Holy Ghost how did you get over your loved one being murdered or your loved one dying or your loved one being hooked on drugs or your loved one being locked up behind bars it it was the Holy Ghost that did it. it. It was God that turned it around for you. I would have lost my mind, but the power of the Holy Ghost. I'm glad I don't have to do this by myself. I'm glad I don't have to do this all alone. It's the power of the Lord. Now, remember last week I talked to you about how those gas uh, hands switched and, and how I was in a gas uh, in a van that had two gas tanks. And when one tank got empty, it switches over to another tank. And that's what the Holy Spirit is about in our lives. When you get empty and you get low and you down to your end, sometimes you'll find yourself praising and don't know why you're praising. I don't know how I'm happy. I shouldn't be happy. I should be sad, but I got the joy of the Lord down in my heart. Where down in my heart? Because I got the Holy Ghost power. And if you were the devil, you would mess with you too to keep you from getting this power. All right, so let's put this point up too. This is point number two. I got to keep... Keep moving. I'm only at point number two, but I feel I feel kind of good this morning. Number two is purchase protection power. I, I, I want to talk about this just for a second. Purchase protection power. It's funny. I tease my kids. We, we, we go to the Muncie Mall, and we talk about how run down the Muncie Mall is now. It just it ain't what it used to be. But then I turn to my kids, and I say, it's partly our fault. And they say, why, Daddy? I say, because we love Amazon.com and Amazon Prime. That's what's killing these stores is because you can get stuff shipped to you two-day shipping and just get it right there. But here's the thing. Most of the time, it has something called purchase protection. So if it comes in the mail and it's broken once it gets to my house, I can send it back. Because something was wrong with the seal, the packaging, or something because it wasn't what I ordered wasn't what showed up at my door. If I order cologne and all the cologne is spilled out, I, I ain't got to fuss with Amazon. All I got to do is return it. They'll replace it because it's what is called purchase protection. So here's the thing, and I, I'll try to make it make sense for you. When Jesus hung on the cross... He died and he spilled his own blood to purchase our salvation. And here's the thing, y'all know, we're not always that right. We make mistakes. So the truth of the matter is, many times we should be returned to sender because if we're honest, sometimes we're damaged goods. Now, now we love God. We're saved. But we get in some stuff. And sometimes it's not just stuff we get in. It's stuff that happens to us. It's trauma. It's things doing, people doing stuff to it. Sometimes folk will do stuff to us in the church. You get lied on in the church. You get talked about in the church. It's just stuff happens. You get passed over on your job. And sometimes it damages us. And hurt people start hurting people. So why is it that God doesn't throw us away? It's because he's got purchase protection on us. You, you didn't know he had purchase protection on us, but he has purchase protection on us. Listen, Ephesians chapter 4, I'll, I'll just quote it. It says, and don't grieve the Holy Spirit whereby you're sealed unto the day of redemption. In other words, that when God purchased you with his blood, that wasn't good enough. He sealed you because you're like the pack. 
package, but you don't have to go through FedEx and through the mail and to the mailman and to the, the front step. You got a much longer journey. You got to get from here to heaven. And going from here to heaven, there's a lot of stuff that can happen to you. But that's why God says, I'm not just going to purchase you. I'm going to seal you. And I'm going to seal you until the day of redemption, until the time that you're in my arms and you're in my hands. I'm going to seal you. So the Bible says, don't grieve the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is the one trying to seal you. So that's why when you wanted to cuss them out, the Holy Spirit didn't want, didn't let you cuss them out. And God says, don't fuss at the Holy Spirit and grieve him because he's just keeping you sealed. Have you ever went to the grocery store and bought a Snapple or something and it says, don't use if the seal is broken. Because I can't, I can't tell you who's tampered with it, mess with it if the seal is broken. But as long as the seal is on it, it's okay. And I'm here to let you know that the Holy Spirit will seal you until the day of redemption. The Holy Spirit will put stuff in you and then seal you so you don't lose what he put in you. Because it's his purchase protection. Now here's the thing. He's the one who purchased you and he's also the one who purchased the purchase protection which is the Holy Spirit. He sent the Holy Spirit to come down on you to seal you and you're going to be alright. So let me, let me add this to you. Basically, honestly, sometimes we don't like to say it in church, but basically, honestly, there's no way you can go to hell if you're saved. Because all you got to do is stay in his hands and stay sealed. And the moment you say yes to him, you automatically going to get there. But a lot of times we want to go two steps forward. And three steps backwards, we want to jump around. And listen, I'm not saying you're not saved, but if you mess around and break the seal, you can't, you can't blame me. And when I preach your funeral, I can't put you in the heaven or hell because some of y'all done broke the seal. But there's some other folk I preach their funeral and I know they seal was together. And when I preach them, we don't even call it a funeral. We call it a home going because we know where they're going because they kept the seal. I'm sealed to the day of redemption and I love you, but you ain't going to make me break the seal. I'm not going to let anybody make me break the seal. I'm sealed to the day of redemption because God has purchased protection on me. Now listen, if you buy a package of Smarties, nobody buys purchase protection for a package of Smarties. They ain't that valuable. But when you buy a brand new car, you want a warranty. Because the more valuable the price, the more you want that purchase protected. Well, God spilled his own blood. He sent his own son. And it is too valuable for him to waste it. So he sent the Pentecostal power of the Holy Ghost to seal you. And really, you can't hardly get out of God if you wanted to get out of God. Because he got you sealed. I didn't, now, now I know y'all ain't never done this. Teresa, I know you ain't never done this. But since I've been saved, Teresa said, probably not. But since I've been saved, I done tried to sin and couldn't sin. Got, got upset with God. Got tired and God wasn't doing what I want when I wanted him to do it. So I called myself, I'm going to go out and just do my own thing. And the moment I tried to do my own thing, it didn't feel right. I'm just going to go to the club, but the club didn't feel right. I, when I was in college, I, I don't believe in God, so I tried to smoke weed, but the weed had me quoting scriptures. It messed me up. Even the weed wasn't right. When God has sealed you, can't nothing take you when God has sealed you. He put his seal of approval on you. He stamped you with his blood. You are a child of the living God. You can try to get out of it if you want to. But when God has paid the price for you, you will be with him as long as you let him. Now, if you keep fighting him, he got to take his hands off of you. But I learned why I fight. And somebody said a long time ago, your arms are too short to box with God. I ain't going to box with God. I can't win anyway. So guess what? God used me. Instead of smoking the weed I was smoking and drinking the alcohol I was drinking and doing all the foolishness I was doing, I finally said, God, use me. God, do it through me. Won't he do it? Yes, he will. All right, let's 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 go to point number three. I got to keep moving. Not only is there purchase protection, 
but there's product protection, product protection power. So, so the purchaser has protection, but what if the product had protection and knew they had protection? In other words, what if my car started talking to me and saying, don't worry about hitting them crazy potholes in Muncie because I'm covered. I know I'm covered and, and it's going to be fixed. It, it, it would be, a, first of all, I'd be like, I'm going crazy. My car started talking to me. But if your product, if the product knew that it had protection, the product would function entirely different if it knew it had protection. If you could give the product a brain and the product understood that it was protected, it would function entirely different. But here's what I need you to understand. God has sealed us, but sometimes we don't know we're sealed. But once we awake unto what God has done for us and in us and to us, we would function and move entirely different. The devil couldn't trick me over any little thing if I knew I was sealed and I knew I was protected. And here's the thing I need you to understand. You are the product. He is the purchaser. But the power he gave us is the thing that protects us. And once you know he has sealed you, you got to start walking a little different. You got to start crying at every little thing. You got to pull yourself together and say, devil, you tried it, but I'm going to get through it. I don't know how I'm going to get through it. I don't know when I'm going to get through it, but I'm about to go to church and praise God like I've already been through it. No, 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 not, not go to church so everybody knows I'm going through. How you doing, Pastor Andre? Well, you know, life has been rough, but God is keeping me. No, don't mind wanting to hear all that stuff. Now, every now and then, you, we, we're not superhuman. you got to tell people what's going on. But some folks just want attention. Not attention, attention. They just want, they want somebody to fall all over them. That, listen, we ain't got time for all that. We all going through, get up, get to the house of God and praise God like I'm praising God. We all got something to face, but we understand we are protected by the purchaser. So whatever I'm dealing with, it can't last forever. Oh, I, I, I know I tell this story all the time, but just let, let me tell it again about how when I was uh, uh, taking swimming lessons and, and I was watching the beach ball and seeing them push the beach ball and it, they pushed it down and it would pop right up. And God spoke to me and, and said that the phenomenon had nothing to do with the ball or the water, had everything to do with what was on the inside of the ball, which was air. And air always overcomes water. So then what God spoke to me, as long as you keep the right stuff in you, no matter what's pushing you down, when it lets up, because it has to let up. See, trouble has an expiration date. Trouble can't stay forever. The Bible says weeping may endure for a night, but joy is going to come in the morning. So whatever you're going through, it can't last forever. Maybe it's already lasted 10 years, but it can't last forever. Maybe you've been in it 20 years, but it won't last forever. And whenever it lifts up, you're going to shoot all the way to the top. And one thing I learned about the beach ball, the more you pushed it down, the greater it would pop back up. And the only reason why God allowed this thing to push you down so long, the reason why you've been single so long, the reason why you've been broke so long, the reason why you've been sick so long, and so that when it lets up off of you, you shoot all the way to the top because you've got something down on the inside of you that will overcome anything that's pushing you down. You got to remind yourself it's momentary. It's momentary. It's temporal. It won't last forever. Well, Pastor Andre, I know some people who died sick. I know some people who died broke. I know some people who died single. Well, here's my question. Were they saved? Yeah, pastor, they were saved. Well, they still won because they're going to cross over from this life to the next and they're not going to be sick over there. They're not going to be broke over there. They're not going to be lonely over there. So you're going to win either way. I would like to win here and win there. But if I don't win something here, it's okay. I'm going to win it over there. I win either way it goes. I still win. The fight is fixed and I still win. All right, let's, let, let's read Ephesians 1 and 3. Bless me, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly place. I'm only going to give you a few things to get you to, 
through earth to get to heaven. That's not what it says. It says blessed with every spiritual blessing. Right now, we're blessed with every spiritual blessing. Now, it's going to take us a while to grow into them and to see them all. And maybe some of them we won't get to heaven, but we got them all right now. And so you got to start moving like you got them now. Let's go to the next verse. Verse 4. He chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him. I know you cute and you save and you think you cute and save because one day you decided to come to the Lord. I have decided to follow Jesus. That's beautiful. But the Bible says before you ever decided, he already chose you. He chose you. In him. So you, 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 you can't give yourself credit for being here. You can't give yourself credit for being close to God. Because it was God that chose you before you ever showed up in the embryonic stages in the womb of your mother. God already said, that one I want for me. And I'm so grateful that God chose me, that God snatched me, that God grabbed me. I'm so grateful I'm a product that has purchase protection power all over him. And this is what I got to tell the devil and every time he tells me I'm going to fail I tell him I was already chose well, you, you, you're going to lose the ministry I was already chose you're going to lose your marriage Andre I was already chose now, now, that doesn't mean I, I go around and act and do stupid stuff but since I was already chose I'm going to act like I, what I was when I was chose l- l- let me give you an example this is, this is going to be kind of funny so sometimes when I was playing basketball when I was young, I, I, I was decent, but I was never good, never great. So sometimes I would be in new places and I would be at, you go to the park and they would pick up teams. And sometimes I would be at the park and it would be all white players at the park. And so when they get to picking people, they'd automatically pick me because I was a black dude. So they expected me to be great automatically. And that was a lot of pressure on me. Because they chose me, but that didn't automatically mean I was the best. There was times I was, but other times I wasn't the best. But they already chose me. So I tried to live up to the choice, but it was so funny to see some of them. They didn't say it out loud, but see, to see them disappointed when I wasn't Superman. I remember being in college and we was playing and something similar happened. And we were running and I raised my hand for a pass and the guy threw me an alley-oop. I'm like, I can't dunk. And he was like, why didn't you go get it? I can't jump that high. Maybe you, you all the people, you, you've been watching too much TV. Every black person can't hang on the rim. I'm sorry to let you down. I know you chose me, but I'm sorry to let you down. I can't do that. But here's the thing. Let me tell you, some of us are the same way. We're like Moses. God chose Moses and Moses said, I can't do it. And God is choosing you and you say, you can't, I can't do it, God. But here's the thing. When he chooses you, he gives you the power to do everything he chose you to do. So I need you to understand if God has made choice of you, you can do it. Because when you can't do it, he'll be the do it in you to do it through you. So you can do it because he chose you. Well, God's been dealing with me about uh, starting a business. Well, what you waiting on? Well, God's been dealing with me about going back to school. What you waiting on? I can't do it. No, you can't do it. But he can do it in you and he can do it through you because he's the one who chose you. All right, let's, let's go to the next uh, verse. Here, you'll see some, some P's in there that I've underlined too. In love, he predestined us, predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of of his Predestined and purpose. This, this is bigger than us. Let's, let's look at verse 7, dropping down to verse 7. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. Here's the reason why it's so hard for us sometimes to understand that God chose us because we got so much junk in our trunk. We got so much stuff in our life. We got so many mistakes. We still deal with the flesh. But let's put the verse back up and and, uh, I'll go through the verse. In him we have redemption through his blood. We already talked about that. But the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. So while you're trying to get it right, if you get it wrong, God says, I got grace for that. Not only do I have power for that, but I got grace for that. Do you need some forgiveness? I got grace for that. 
Well, the other day, I, I just went off on, on, on my spouse, and I didn't act right. I talked to her ugly, and I, I did the wrong thing. And God says, I got grace for that. Now, you may still have to go and apologize, but if you're willing to get back in the race, I'm willing to clean you up and wash you up. You know why? Because I already paid for you. Now, my car, I'm paying on it. I'm close closer to paying it off. But when I get it dirty, I don't take it back to the dealer and say, here, take this back. It got dirty while I was driving. No, I just take it and wash it because I already paid for it. I didn't already put the money on it. And so guess what? It's up to me to take care of it. Well, God didn't already put the money on you, and it's up to him to take care of you. So he'll wash you. He'll clean you. He'll fix you up. He'll turn you around. He'll set your feet on solid ground. All you got to do is trust the process and trust the provider. Who is God? All right, let's let's drop down to uh, Ephesians one eleven. In Him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of Him who works all things according to the counsel of His will. Predestined purpose obtained a heritage let, let, let's it, it's such deep words sometimes we forget the depth of what God is saying so I try to give you examples that help you understand let's just make this quick example um Elon Musk or Warren Buffett all those people who are billionaires not millionaires but billionaires Bill Gates all those people if they said uh will I'm going to adopt you will just because I I think I like you and I'm going to adopt you. And when I die, you're going to be written into the inheritance. Guess what we're going to do? We're going to be dancing and happy. You mean, I didn't have to come to you. You chose me. And you're going to adopt me. And I get your inheritance? Uh, sign me up. Well, that's what God says. He said, through the redemption of his blood, guess what? I done adopted you, and you have an inheritance, and you can't even mess up your inheritance, because when you mess up your inheritance, I'll wash you and clean you up. Let's go back to the example. Will's told by Warren Buffett. I'm adopting you right now. I'm adopting you, Lynn, all your family, your grandkids, and everybody. And all you got to do is sign on the dotted line. And Will accidentally signs on the date line and puts it in the wrong spot. And then Warren Buffett says, don't worry, I'm going to white it out and let you sign again. And then Will signs it wrong again. And Warren Buffett says, don't worry, I'm going to white it out. Every time he does it wrong, he whites it out and gives him another chance so he doesn't miss his inheritance. That means that Warren Buffett got to be extra, extra, extra kind to do that. But I know somebody more extra than Warren Buffett. I, Because I done messed up and I done signed on the wrong line several times. But God with his blood done washed it and gave me another chance. Somebody said he's a God of a second chance. But let me tell you something. He's more than just a second chance. I done had a 99th chance and a 2000 chance. But all I know is God's been good to me. And every time he gives me another chance, I'm I'm going to sign it again, and I, my name is in the Lamb's Book of Life. I'm adopted by the God of the universe. God is on my side, and if God be for me, who can be against me, including my own self? So self, dismiss yourself. So you can do what God wants you to do and get the reward. Well, what does God want? All God wants is you to get what he got provided for you. Because Adam and Eve messed it up. We really don't even know how good it would be. So God has given us a total another chance to do it all over again. And if you mess up, get up. If you fall, get up. God has you covered because there's power for all of that. And guess what? One thing I've learned in my life: the more you mess up, the more you start saying, "Uh, uh-uh, there's some stuff I ain't gonna mess up. I ain't gonna mess up like that no more." Because God, you've been too good for me. I know you whited it out. I know you did it. But this one, God, I ain't coming back to you for this. Because listen, I'm growing up. I'm getting out of this. There's some relationship you should never get yourself back in. There's some stuff you should never be doing again. Because listen, God's been too good to me. He done washed me up. He done cleaned me up. I look at Brother Allen. Brother Allen was a bit a part of the Living Temple for a long time. But he was fighting. He was struggling. But, but Brother Allen said once that gout got on him... He said, I'm coming to church, and you can't hardly turn church loose from Brother Allen now. He grabbed hold of it, and he's, he's with it. He on the train. He on the train to glory. I don't care how long it takes you to get it right, but once you come, you ought to say, God, I'm holding on. I'm not letting go. 
Like Jacob, I'm not letting go till you bless me. I want everything you have for me. Did you read all of verse 11? All right, let's go to verse 12. Let's do 12, 13, and 12 and 13. So that we, who were the first to hope in Christ, might be to the praise of his glory. Another P word. Let's go to verse 13. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the what I just told you, but it says, when did it happen? The moment you said yes to God, the seal came right there. The purchase protection came right there. So let's look at verse 14. I'm actually going to read verse 14. <clears throat> Put it up. And the Holy Spirit is, is coming off the last word. The Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. So it's going beyond what I'm just saying about Warren Buffett and Brother Will. God, it's like Warren Buffett said, I'm going to send you my assistant, Will, and he's going to walk with you and talk with you, or she's going to walk with you and talk with you. And every time you get ready to sign it wrong, she's going to remind you, no, 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 do it different, do it. In other words, I'm going to send it to you until you acquire possession. In other words, it's a guarantee. So the Pentecost of power is when God sent the Holy Spirit. It wasn't just to seal us. It was to walk with us and guarantee we don't miss heaven. Guarantee. Y'all remember that old Louisiana man? He used to talk about, I guarantee it. The Holy Spirit is my guarantee. I don't have to go to hell. I got a guarantee. I don't have to commit suicide. I got a guarantee. I don't have to stick my head in the sand. I got a guarantee. God is guaranteeing me until I get the inheritance, until I get the position and the possession and the promotion and everything God says, I'm guaranteed. So you're looking at a guaranteed millionaire. You're looking at a guaranteed great husband. You're looking at a guaranteed great father. Well, you're not a millionaire yet, Pastor Andre, but I'm guaranteed that God's doing stuff in my life. Whether I get it here or over there, I'm guaranteed. Well, maybe you're not a great father now. Well, I'm going to keep trying, but I'm guaranteed that I, whether here or there, I'm going to be everything God called me to be because God sent me something to guarantee. Now, going back to what I said, if the product knew it was guaranteed, the product would act entirely different. You are the product, but sometimes you don't know you're guaranteed. So you don't act like you should act. And so guess what? The devil rides over your head, but you ought to look back at the devil and talk stuff to him, crazy stuff to him, because you guaranteed. Take uh, Mother Rankin. I love you, Mother Rankin. I love my father, uh, Apostle Mitchell. But I'm going to play basketball against you. It's going to be two on two. It's going to be y'all two versus me and LeBron. I guarantee we're going to win. Not because of me, but because of who's on my team. Now, Mother Rankin says she guarantees she's going to win. But I, listen, if I, get, if I get LeBron on my team and I'm playing people in their 70s and upwards, I think I can win. Now, maybe by myself, they might get me by myself. But if I have somebody who know what they're doing, then guess what? When I walk on the court, even though I love them, I'm talking big stuff. Y'all going to lose today. Y'all going to lose this morning. Y'all might as well not even lace up y'all shoes because y'all going to lose this morning. Well, I'm here to tell the devil when I wake up in the morning, devil, you're going to lose today because I know who on my side. I got a guarantee and I'm guaranteed victory. I'm guaranteed joy. I'm guaranteed hope. I got a guarantee. All right. Come on, let's, let's, let's go to point number four. It also brings us prayer power. Read Acts 2 and 1, where we actually hear the Pentecostal story. Read Acts 2 and 1. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. Verse 2. And suddenly, there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Verse 3. And divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each of them. 
I won't really dig into this and explain all this. Some of you guys know, but they were in the upper room praying. Remember, over 500 people were asked to stay. Only 120 people did do it. But those 120 people, they got up there, and for those days, they prayed, and they prayed on one accord. The the, uh, King James says one accord. So that's your prayer power. But there's something else I want to point out and put up point number five. It's also people power. So if you know anything about the scripture, in Genesis chapter 11, it was something called the Tower of Babel. That's where the the languages were confused. And then you still, to this day, you have different languages that happened at the Tower of Babel. But spiritually, something happened. And then we've seen it. It says that there were split tongues. There were divided tongues. So those tongues represent division. But then it changes. Let's put this point up. It changed from division to diversity. So what God wanted to show them, once I put my power on you, you go beyond the things that divide you and you start going to the things that unite you. In other words, you start looking for the common ground. And here's the thing. If you name the name of God, you're my brother. If you name the name of God, you're my sister. We are together. We are a family. You don't even have to go to my church, but we're part of the family of God. We do not have to be divided because the prayer power brings us together. There's no more division. It's now diversity. You can pray and you can be in Pakistan. You can pray and you can be in Nairobi. And we all can be praying to the same God, receiving the same things. There are people in other countries praying for America. There's people in America praying for other countries. The power of Pentecostal prayer is that it causes us to be united to one common cause, and that's seeing the glory of the Lord fall on his people. And there's not been one revival in history that didn't start with powerful prayer undergirding it and bringing it in. And I need to let y'all know, Deliverance Temple, y'all need to be praying. I shouldn't have to say it, but sometimes we have to remind you, you need to be praying. You need to be praying and talking to God because what it does, it unifies the body. It brings us together, even though we're different. It brings us together and it brings us to a solemn place and it does something in our lives. Now, before I move on, this is the first time the last year and now that we've seen something in our lifetime, or at least I'll say in my lifetime, that was global, like a global pandemic that made everybody think about the same thing. In Africa, in Australia, in India, on in every continent, they all had to think about COVID because it was a universal global thing. Normally, there are things that hit certain pockets, but this hit the entire globe. One virus hit the entire globe, but it's a precursor because the devil, he only tries to pervert what God is doing. It's a precursor to what God is doing. God's going to let something else hit the entire globe, and it won't be a virus, but it'll be prayer power that'll stir up over all the continents that'll usher in the return of our Savior, that'll usher in and sweep people into the kingdom of God. There are folk hooked on dope that don't want to be hooked on dope, but prayer power is going to snatch people off the streets and pull them into the kingdom of God, and we're going to be right in the middle of it. That's what the power of Pentecost will do. Let's go to Acts 2 and 4, read some more. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Speaking in other tongues, many people talk about that. It's called glossolalia, which means speaking in like heavenly tongues. But there was also what they were happening there. They were speaking in natural tongues. So there is a heavenly tongue, which a lot of times is what we hear in here. We hear heavenly tongues. But there is actual natural tongues, meaning God can allow you to speak in Spanish when you don't know any Spanish. He can go from your spirit because the spirit, your, your mind only knows English, but your spirit knows every language known to man because it's connected to God and if God needs you to speak something in Spanish he can speak it through so that's what the gift of tongues is it's not just heavenly tongues it's not just gibberish God can use you to do anything as long as you're connected to his power verse 5 now there were 12 in Jerusalem Jews Devout men from every nation under heaven. I'm going to give it just a little bit of time to explain it. Why were there all these devout Jews from every nation at that time? Why were they in Jerusalem? What were they doing there? Only 120 of the Gal- uh, Galileans and those people were up in the upper room praying. But Jerusalem was filled with a whole bunch of men from other nations. Why were they there? De- Deuteronomy 16.16 16 explains that. And I'll read it when they put it on the screen. 
It says this three times a year. This was a law given to the men three times a year. All your males shall appear before the Lord, your God, at the place that he will choose at the feast of unleavened bread, which is Passover at the feast of weeks, which is also known as Shavuot and at the feast of booths, which is known as Sukkoth. And that that is the spring the summer, and the fall. So they all had to come back. And it says this, they shall not appear before the Lord empty-handed. So they came back to Jerusalem for this festival three times a year. This was the Feast of Weeks. This would have been in the summertime, which is the time we're entering in right now. This is why all these extra men were there. They were following their law. So let's go back to that verse 5. And it says, uh, now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men. So these are men who were devout to the religious laws of that time. And so they made that pilgrimage three times a year. Even though they were no longer living in Israel, they were living in other places. But they came back to celebrate those three times a year. And this is one of the times that they were there. So let's look at, pick up in verse 6. Sister Mitchell, you'll read that. And at this sound, the multitude came together, and they were bewildered. Because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. So they were in the upper room, which was in the temple. But outside, the people who were in the festival, they started hearing the tongue from where they were from. In other words, if I came from Egypt, I'm hearing somebody in the church praying Egyptian stuff. If, if, if I was from, from Spain, I'm hearing somebody in the church praying Spanish stuff. Now, the upper room was in the temple, and even though it was open, it leaked out all into the atmosphere around. Let's read verse 7. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, are not all these who are speaking Galilean? So they got to draw close and looking. Wait a second. These, they, they, these are Galilean people. They, they, these aren't people from where I'm from, but yet they're talking in my language. But what were they saying? Verse 8. And how is it that we hear each of us in his own language? Why do we hear where we're from? In verse 9. Actually, I'll read verse 9 to make it easy on your mother. Parthians, and these are all the different people, Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia. We're talking about men from everywhere. Verse 10, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene and visitors from Rome, Libya, Libya, Egypt, Cyrene, all that is in the deepest parts of Africa. So when somebody paints the upper room for you and there's no black folk in it, they don't know their scripture because there's black folk there too. It was, it was folk from everywhere understanding we're hearing this stuff. Let's, let's look at verse 11. You can read verse 11, Mother Mitchell. Both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians, we hear them talking, but they're talking in different languages, the language that I understand, but they're all saying the same thing, the mighty works of God. So the Egyptian was hearing the mighty works of God. The Phrygian was hearing the mighty works of God. The Judean was hearing the mighty works of God. They're saying, all these folk are talking, but they're speaking my language, but they're talking about the same God. They're not talking about denomination. They ain't talking about Republican and Democrat. They're talking about the mighty works of God. They say God is a good God, and God is a mighty God, and God is a powerful God. Once the church stopped playing games and began to speak the powerful works of God. Guess what? The world's going to take notice and they're going to come and look and say, you're talking my language. You're talking what I understand. And language is not just what we understand as English, English, because even in English, there are different languages. Have you ever told somebody, you speak my language. You you speak my love language. You, you talk what I'm talking. You speak my financial language. But here's what's going to happen. God's going to use us in the church to speak languages that the world understands and they're going to come and they're going to hear and they're not going to hear about Andre. They're not going to hear about Royce, Joyce and Devin. They're going to hear about the power of God. They're going to hear about the grace of God. They're going to hear about the glory of God. They're going to hear about the praise and the mighty works of God. Verse 12 and 13. And all were amazed and perplexed saying to one another, what does this mean? But others 
There's a folk, there's a couple folk that you know you got a couple haters somewhere, and they was like, This is some brand new wine. This ain't no Johnny Walker Red. This ain't no wine I know about. This ain't no Boone's Farm. This is some, they got some new wine. They got some real good stuff, and them folk is going crazy up in there. So that brings me to point number six, and we only have seven points, so we'll be moving quick. Poured out power. So after that happened, verse 14, read verse 14. But Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them, men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem. Let this be known to you and give ear to my word. Now wait one, wait one second. So this is 50 days after Passover. So that means it's 50 days after Jesus' resurrection. So that means three days before Jesus' resurrection, he was on the cross. So that means Peter was cussing at the cross 53 days earlier. Now, 53 days later, he up preaching the power of God. Don't tell me it takes you a long time for God to turn things around. God turned Peter around in less than 53 days. And here Peter stand up saying, listen, it ain't no new wine. I know this is the power of the Holy Ghost. And I'm here to let some of y'all know you may, may be saying, oh, I can't preach like Pastor Andre. Well, maybe you're not called to preach from a pulpit with a mic in your hand. But maybe you're called to preach on your job. And can't nobody stop you from preaching the wonderful works of God. Pull somebody aside on the lunch break and tell them what God has done in your life and how he's turned you around. Can't nobody stop you preaching and proclaiming because it's poured out power and when God pours out his power anybody with a mouth can declare out of the mouth of babes God has to adore and praise sometimes my little baby girl will be up preaching stuff that I don't even know she know, know she understands but when the power of God gets poured out it'll turn a wino into a prophet it'll turn a prostitute into a missionary I'm looking for the power of God the Pentecostal power of God that don't take a long time to turn folk around thank God for 12 steps but also thank God for power that'll change somebody in a moment in the twinkling of an eye verse 15 and 16 I, 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 I'll read uh, on out to give you a break, Mother Mitchell. For these people are not drunk as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. This is too early for us to be drunk like this. But this is what the what, what was uttered through the prophet Joel. This was already spoken a long time ago. And then the next verse, verse 17. And in the last days it shall be, God declares that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. And your young men shall see visions. And your old men shall dream dreams. This ain't no joke. This ain't no accident. This was the pouring out of God on his people. Both male and female. Female, black and white, rich and poor, uh, 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 politics and not. Anybody that wants to be poured out, anybody that got their cup open, God can pour out. But this is what I need you to understand. You can go ahead and clap for that. Go ahead and clap for that. But this is what I need you to understand. That the latter rain is going to be greater than the former rain. And what that means, the rain on Pentecostal day is going to be greater in the latter day, which is our day. God's going to pour out on our flesh in such a way that people won't recognize what God has done in our life. So don't you quit because the power is still coming. Like I said earlier, the buffet, you can keep coming out. But here's the thing. You used to have to go to the buffet. This coming the day that the buffet is coming right to you. And this is the last point. Point number seven that leads me to this and our final verse, prophetic power. The word prophesy just doesn't mean foretelling the future. It actually means to proclaim. So Acts 2 and 18, final verse. Even on my male servants... And female service in those days, I will pour out my spirit and they shall prophesy. Well, I, you know, I, I'm not no minister and I'm not no preacher. No, no, no. That ain't what the Bible says. If you got flesh, if you a male or a female, and that's all we have. I, don't know, I know some people get mixed up, but that's all we got is male and female. That's all we got. So he poured out his spirit on all of us in this hour. So that we can be what God wants us to be. So on this Pentecostal Sunday, I want you to think in your mind that power is coming for me. Not just for the pulpit, not just for the, the, the leaders, but for me. I have access to Pentecostal power. Well, 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 well Pastor Andre, what is God going to do with me? I don't know what he's going to do with you. 
But what I know is once you attach yourself to that journey, you will never, I promise, you will never want anything else but this. Because there's no power like this power in Jesus' name. Come on, let's bow our heads and let's pray. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you, God. Thank you for this Pentecost Sunday and what it means, God. But God, even in the, the fullness of, of the revelation, it means more than just 50 days as in the number 50, but it actually represents your grace and your order. Five times 10, 10 represents your order and five represent, represents your grace. And God, you have ordered grace to come to our lives. God, just like a buffet, we have to get up and go, but God, we are ordering a buffet where we're sitting still and you're bringing all this power to us so it would envelop us and we will use it to turn this world right side up and make a difference in our lives, our families, our neighborhoods, our cities, our states, our country, and this globe. Now, Father God, if there's anybody here or out there in uh, the online live stream as well as those who will watch later through rebroadcast if there's anybody that doesn't know you in the pardon of their sins because they cannot get the Holy Spirit if they first haven't accepted you so God I pray that they would just say these words Father God come into my life come into my heart I accept you cleanse me wash me save me and give me and fill me with your precious Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, can you stand to your feet and act like you got some Pentecostal power this morning? Hallelujah. Glory to God. I say God bless you. You are dismissed. We love you.